We're in our final week of our nudge series where we're learning how to respond to the voice of truth. Turns out God likes to speak to us through these little nudges. In case you're joining us for the first time, we're defining a nudge as the sudden deep down sense from God that you ought to do something inconvenient in the moment. Anybody have any nudges this week? Anybody? God is busy. He is nudging us. And if you want to check out some really cool nudge stories, go to our Facebook page, Gathering Church AZ, and check out some really inspirational nudge stories there. But what's the point of nudges? Have you ever stopped and just thought, well, what's really the point of a nudge? Jesus answered that question at the Mount of Olives right before he ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, you will be uh, you will receive power when the nudger, known as the Holy Spirit, comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Do you catch that? The point of nudges is to be a witness. It's a means to an end, but not an end to yourself, an end to others. We are meant to be Witnesses. Before Marvin Gaye ever asked the question, Jesus asked that same question to his disciples. And it's the title of my message. Can I get a witness? Great song, right? That's what Jesus is asking us. He's saying, I'm nudging you for a purpose. There's an intent to that nudge. And it goes beyond yourself. Can I get a witness? The problem is we are too comfortable. Aren't we? I mean, let's be honest today. I'm thinking about myself. Like, we get so comfortable. We're like a little baby eagle in the nest. We like our little routine. We like our little schedule. We like our little life. Some of you moved out to Arizona, to Sun City, to retire and play pickleball and drink beverages by the pool all night, put on about 30, 40 pounds, right? Like, that's not the plan. That's not the plan that God has for you. We were meant to soar. We were meant to bring life to others. Amen? I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you're embarking on something which will take the whole of you. Come on now. <laughs> God doesn't say, give me a little bit. He says, I want it all because I want to do something through you. I want you to leave a mark and impact other people's lives. Do you know that the mother eagle, she actually, as the, the, the baby eagles grow, she'll remove the fur lining from the inside of the uh, nest. Help me out with that, Gavin. Thanks. Uh, she'll, remove, he'll, she'll remove the fur lining, right? And, and it exposes the thorns that are underneath. What that does is that pushes the baby eagles to the rim of the nest where the mother eagle comes by and <laughs> nudges them into flight. And you know, I think God's doing the same thing for us. I think he's removing the fur lining of our little comfy little nest. And he's giving us a little nudge so that we can bring the life changing message of Jesus Christ to a world who needs to hear it. Amen? He's saying, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Lord, thank you that you have called us to be witnesses. You have called us something, uh, to something bigger than ourselves. God, we just thank you that we have a purpose in the morning to get up and to breathe. 
We have a purpose for our heart to beat God. And it's much more than ourselves. God, thank you for helping us learn how to be witnesses that leave a mark. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 4 today. Luke chapter 4. We're going to get in God's word. Uh, Jesus just was baptized. He's 30 years old. He's getting ready to start his three and a half year ministry. Time is short. And he, uh, he's led immediately after being baptized into the wilderness where he's going to be tempted by Satan. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, God's going to give us three actions of a witness. No, verse, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the nudger, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of, uh, at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Action number one of a witness. We have to learn to nourish our nudge. Tell your neighbor, nourish your nudge. There you go. Say it with a straight face. Put that in the chat, by the way. I want to welcome everyone watching online. Put that in the chat, nourish your nudge. Check this out, verse one. You might not have caught this. Before Jesus was led by the Spirit, he was full of the Spirit. Before he did any nudging, he got filled. He nourished his nudge. The irony is that he was physically empty. 40 days, that'll make you physically empty, and yet he was spiritually full. See, I think most of us have it backwards. I think we, we, you know, we, we love to have a good meal, right? Nothing wrong with that. But we're physically full and spiritually empty. We, we don't nourish our nudge. You're full of something. I know there's a few of you. I met this guy in the green shirt. It's your first time here. He's probably never going to come back. You'll acclimate, brother. Hear my heart. We're full of something, right? We're all full of something. What are we full of? Because that matters. And don't you know, Satan tried the same trick on Jesus that he tried in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. He tried to tempt Jesus to come between Jesus and the Father with food. Right? And here's what I'm trying to say. The enemy's coming knocking. And what you're full of has a big impact on what you do with your nudge. He's coming a-knocking. He did it to Adam and Eve. He did it to Jesus. And, and isn't it funny how he, he uses the same tactics? He, he went to Eve, right? The serpent came and said, are you sure that God said you can't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Like, did he really say that? Come on. Just take a bite. It's not a big deal, right? He did the same thing. And she wasn't full. And the implications were huge. And can I just clear up some bad theology really quick? We're Bible-reading church, Bible-believing church. Uh, this whole apple, the forbidden fruit. Do you know the forbidden fruit was likely not an apple? <gasps> Blasphemy! I know you've been growing up and you've heard that. But if you actually go back to God, it's really cool, man. When you study God's word, you, you, you'll, he'll teach you things that, that will have an impact on your life, right? And, and so if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, God showed him the garden and he said, you can eat any Seed-bearing fruit. Do apples have seeds? So it's quite likely that the forbidden fruit was not an apple. But don't stop there. Let's deal with the serpent. The serpent was a snake, right? 
Are you sure about that? The uh, word serpent in Genesis 3 comes from a Hebrew word, nahash. That word means powerful, uh, gigantic, uh, evil creature. Powerful, gigantic, evil creature. That word nahash, that Hebrew word, is also used in Isaiah 27 verse 1 to describe a leviathan or a sea dragon. That word nahash is also used in Job 26 verse 13 to describe a sea monster. Does that sound like a snake to you? And what's more, in Genesis 3 verse 14, check this out. When God is cursing the serpent, he says, you will, will crawl on your belly and eat the dust of the ground for the rest of your days. You will, implying that prior to that, he didn't crawl on his belly. Was it a snake? Probably not. Probably was some form of dragon, which would explain why they were so easily convinced. Perhaps they were fearful, and that played a role into the deception what did that have to my, do, do with my message? Nothing. <laughs> Just a little bonus, right? A little freebie there. <laughs> so they show up. So Satan tempts Adam and Eve, right? And he does so because there was a void. And if there's a void, don't you know the enemy? Because there, remember, we talked about competing nudges. Satan's a nudger too. Don't think the Holy Spirit's the only nudger. Satan's a good nudger. And he'll nudge you in the wrong direction like he did. And you know what the implications of the fall? The implications of, of Adam and Eve falling? I'll tell you one. Epidurals. Epidurals. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Before, before the fall, there would have been no pain in childbirth. Could you imagine? I had to watch my wife, as if, as if I'm the victim. <laughs> I had to watch my wife. Sorry, just thought about that. I had to watch her give birth, and, and, she, and you actually chose not to do an epidural. We got, I don't know what was going on with that. I'm going to do a natural. I'm like, ah. But could you imagine just being like, hey, sweetheart, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to have Gabby. I think it's time. It's happening. My water broke. I'm, I'm going to, I'll be back in like 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> right? That was the implication. What else? We wouldn't have had tractors if it weren't for the fall. Right? You think my tractor's sexy? Would have been no Kenny Chesney song. Because due to the, to the fall, you're going to have to work the ground by the sweat of your brow. Wouldn't it be nice not to have to work for food? Right? But most, the biggest implication was death. Through one man, Romans 5.12, sin entered the world. Death. That's why it's so important to be full. Which, which I love Jesus' response in verse 4. Man will not live by bread alone. In other words, Satan... There's a better kind of fool. There's a kind of fool that this world doesn't have, can't even describe. Brian, what's your, what's your favorite restaurant? Uh, Dylan's? Is that where you take your wife on it when you really want to do something nice? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I ain't going to hate on you. Anybody else have a nice restaurant? They're like, <laughs> see? Now, he just made you feel good. It's all about perspective, y'all. Troy, I know you, you like that fine dining. Where do you go? Litchfield. Oh, Litchfields, yeah. And he gets a discount because he works over there at the wigwam. But, like, there's, 
you can, you can go to your favorite restaurant, but there's, there's a sustenance, there's a nourishment that this world can't touch. And so when Satan came to Jesus, he couldn't trip him up. He couldn't derail his nudge. Why? Here's why. You can't fill what's already full. You cannot fill what is already full. Jesus was full. He was full when he went into the desert. And so when Satan came, he said, sorry, my appetite, my spiritual appetite is nourished. Here's what I want. Here's a principle I want you to take away. something you can apply in your life from the truth of God's word. I want you to learn to breathe in before you breathe out. Learn to inhale before you exhale. You ever try to exhale without inhaling? Good luck. And yet, that's what we do. We laugh, but that's exactly what we do. We, we try to exhale. We try to speed up. We try to be everything to everyone, helping everyone else out. And meanwhile, we're not inhaling. Some of you are living at 30,000 feet where oxygen is scarce. And God, through his grace and love, he's dropping the oxygen mask. And what do they tell you on the planes? Yep, take care of yourself. And if you're wearing a mask, remove the stupid mask. Sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Gary, don't talk to me about that. I already apologized, okay? Don't talk to me about that later. They say you, you put your mask on first, right? Because you you're, you're of no use to anyone else if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not nourishing yourself. And, and we got a lot of caregivers. We got a lot of good people in here. But just be careful. Just make sure you're getting that nourishment from your creator, something you need. Because one of my favorite sayings is when your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall, right? When your output exceeds your input, your upkeep will be your downfall. We have to learn to, to inhale, to breathe in before we breathe out. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to do what Jesus did. It's gonna sound weird. It's gonna sound like I'm not biblical, but just trust me. I want you to find a lonely place. I want you to make some time and find a lonely place. Luke chapter five, skip down to verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The irony is, if you don't find a lonely place, you become a lonely place. We have to learn to do what Jesus did. The crowds were growing. The church was growing. Everyone's saying how great you are. And Jesus said, the more this thing grows, the more time I need to spend with the Father in prayer. We need to find lonely places and spend time with God. Now, you say, but I'm not as productive. You're right. We need to turn, trade productivity for proximity. We need, there's, there's always a payoff, right? There's always a trade-off. There's a trade-off and there's a payoff. You don't get the payoff up front. You get that later. But the trade-off is up front. And that is saying, you know what? I'm not going to get all these things I want done on my list, but I am going to nourish myself in the presence of my God. I love what John Piper said. If you want to be a great leader of people, you have to get away from people to be with God. Friends, we got to learn to nourish our nudge. Second action of a witness is we have to learn not to judge your nudge. Don't judge your nudge. We all do this. 
and we derail ourselves. We take ourselves out of the game because we look back and we begin to evaluate our nudge. Be careful because you might just talk yourself out of God's blessing. Look at, skip up to verse 14 of, of Luke 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit, the power of the nudger, nudges him to Galilee, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So everything's going great, right? And then something happens. Verse 16. Now there's actually several months that occurred between verses 15 and 16. We know that from the parallel account in John chapter 1. But uh, something happened. He went from Galilee and then he got a, what I call, a Nazareth nudge. Say, "Uh uh-oh, come on, Uh uh-oh. Some of you know a little thing or two about a Nazareth nudge. Here's what happened, verse 16. He went to Nazareth, and he, when he had been brought up and, uh, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was custom. Now, he's going to go ahead and read from the scroll. We're going to come back to that in a second, but I'm going to skip up, up to verse 22b. Is this Joseph's son, they asked? Skip to verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Wow, is right. Wait, wait, hold on. I mean, I'm trying to make sense of this. So wait a second. The Holy Spirit, who's omniscient, right, knows everything, nudges Jesus to a town where his witness is going to be rejected. Not only rejected, but they want to actually kill him, which, by the way, that's illegal. If the Jews really cared about their law, you can't uh, inflict capital punishment on the Sabbath, right? So, but why would the Holy Spirit do that? Well, we, the, 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 we don't always have the answer. We don't always have the answer, but we have to be careful not to judge the nudge. Some of you can relate to a Nazareth nudge, you're in the middle of a Nazareth. Is anybody willing to admit honestly in front of all these people that you're in the midst of a Nazareth nudge where God has nudged you out and you obeyed like a compliant little servant only to feel like you're on the precipice of a cliff and you're like, God, what are you doing? I obeyed you. I said yes. I stepped out in faith and this is what I get? Who's there? Anybody? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. We, we, we say we're in a Nazareth nudge because we look back and we don't see fruit. But I want you to be careful. Be, please, be cautious when we assign a value or merit or worth to the nudge. Because if by that same standard, Jesus did that, he would have said, why you send me to... Why well, you send me to, to, to Nazareth, right? We know from the second trip in, in Mark 6, 5, when he came back to Nazareth, he said, I, could do, I couldn't do any miracles there except heal a few sick, which is funny, except heal a few sick. That was like a bad day for Jesus. <laughs> I only healed somebody from leprosy. I mean, <sighs> wow. But he could, so by the same, he didn't have fruit, a lot of fruit there. So be careful. Some of you, you were nudged into a date night, a weekly date night with your spouse. And you say, but my marriage is still struggling. Some of you are nudged to help a coworker with a pay a bill, and the guy's still a jerk. Maybe you're nudged to, to step out and serve in kids' ministry, and yet you still don't feel fully fulfilled. Well, be careful assigning value to that nudge. 
a nudge, listen to me, a nudge is not about what it produces, but rather who it pleases. See, it's not about the outcome, it's about the act, the act of obedience, right? It's in the act that God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, but it's a Nazareth nudge, God. It's not like the way I thought. I know. I got you right where I want you. I'm going to teach you this thing called perseverance, this thing called maturity, this thing called obedience. It was so funny. One time, uh, my wife, it's a funny story. I've told it one, one other time, but we were, uh, we were coming home from church, and she was in a, I was actually several minutes behind her. She was in the, her mini wagon and with the four kids in tow. And she sees this guy who we, we see all the time out by where we live. We live out by the White Tank Library. And on Olive Road, we see this guy walk into the library. Or we think he's walking to the library. We don't really know where he's walking. He's got a fries bag and he's got some tattered clothes. And so, you know, we're thinking this guy's homeless, right? We see him out there all the time. And so my wife gets a nudge. And she says, kids, we're going to make him a sandwich. So she drives home, and they make him a sandwich, and they take him out, and, and they find him a little farther down the road, and they say, hey, uh, sir, we just wanted to bless you with this, with this sandwich. You know, we thought, you know, it's a hot day, here's some water, and here's a sandwich. And he's like, do, do you think I'm homeless? I live in Cortessa. And she came home, and she kind of felt, like, defeated, like, well, gosh. Well, by the way, the guy's like, well, but what kind of sandwich is it? <laughs> I was like, ham and cheese. Awesome. You took the sandwich. But she came home kind of, like, a little bit embarrassed, maybe a little dejected, kind of like, I don't know, man, that was swinging a miss. But was it? Because if God nudged her, God nudged her. And the act of love that she displayed is no less meaningful simply because he wasn't homeless, right? Yeah, and, and, and this guy, by the way, I haven't seen him. So I don't, I've started to wonder, we, we haven't really talked about this, but I'm thinking he might have been an angel. Or, or maybe God took him home. Maybe he wasn't homeless. Maybe he was hopeless. Maybe he has a kid that won't talk to him. And he just needed to hear some love. Or maybe his marriage was hanging on by a thread and he just wanted, just needed to hear some hope. Maybe he's, he got some bad news, some, some news from a doctor that he had terminal illness. And he just needed to know that there's a God in heaven that would interrupt a lady in a minivan with four kids in tow after a long day to come back and say, you know what, I love you. God loves you. He's here for you. Don't judge your nudge. And lastly, last action is we need to learn to release our nudge. We need to learn to release our nudge. And that's where it gets a little difficult. But check this out. Let's go back to, uh, this is uh, verse 16. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the people, Isaiah, was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord, that is the nudger, is on me. Put your name in there. The spirit of the Lord is on Robert. The spirit of the Lord is on, put your name there, Mike P. Put your name, fill that in. The spirit of the Lord is on you. 
because he has anointed you to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. That assignment was not just for him. It was for us. He's saying, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Because I got a job for you to do. And I modeled it. I did it. I gave you a mirror to look at. And he says, I've called you to be that witness. And I want to show you what it looks like when we release our nudge, when we get it right. Newton's cradle, right? Newton's cradle. So here's what it looks like. God gives us gifts. God gives us a call. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable, the Bible says, right? And so here we are. Here we are. This is exciting, right? This is, I mean, to know that you wake up and you have a plan, that there's a purpose, right? You have all this, this, this power. What, you know what this is called, by the way? Come on, think seventh grade science, people. Huh? Who, who said that? Josh Workman, you would never cease to amaze me, brother. He must be edumacated. All right, so potential energy, right? Potential energy. It's potential energy based on its position, right? You take an apple on the ground, it doesn't have any potential energy. You take it to the top of the Empire State Building, you can drop it on a car and break a window, right? Potential energy. So here's, but you know what the sad thing is? There's another name for potential energy. It's called stored energy, right? Stored, and you know what most Christians do? They store their energy. They live in this position the entire time. There's a world that needs engaged, and we're living in Sun City. (laughs) Eating some Funyuns, having a drink by the pool, playing pickleball, staying in our nest. I got nothing against Sun City. I just know that there's a call on everyone's life, and sometimes we settle for so much less. We accept so much less than what God has for us, man. As your pastor, I I may offend you. Brother, you may never come back, but, you know, I'd rather you be offended with the truth. If you need to hear the truth, you know, because I I want you to step into your calling. And you may already be, brother, I don't know. But, like, I know for my life, I settle for so much less. I stayed up here, you know, for so long. And God's saying, I want to turn that potential energy into kinetic energy, right? And here's what it looks like. Look at that. When you release that nudge, you impact other people. You create disciples who create disciples who create disciples. It's exponential. It's not cumulative. It's exponential. You multiply your witness when we release our nudge. And listen, we are not a church that likes to just talk a good game. We want to release our nudge. And here's the proof of that. The proof is next weekend. Next weekend. So... Amen. You can give God praise. So next weekend, as some of you guys know, we rent this facility. Well, when we rented this facility, there were several pre-existing commitments that they had. We knew about that. And so our backup venue is the venue known as Willow Canyon, where we were at last week. So normally this, this next weekend, because it, there's a booking here, we would go back to Willow Canyon. But God nudged me and said, kick him out the nest. Kick them out of the nest, you know? And, and, and so 
here's what we're going to do. We're going to trade comfort for complication. We're going to go to a venue we've never been. Instead of going back to our nice little warm nest over there at Willow, we're going to Dysart, as I told you last week, we're going to Dysart High School, and we are going to love those people. We are going to have, like, remember what we did for Easter with the bounces and the face painting and the, all the free food, everything. We are going over there on a mission to love those people and give them Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're going to release the nudge, and we need help. And here's how you can help. I'm glad you asked. May 6th, at 6 p.m., we're going to pass out 5,000 flyers. We need some help over there in the El Mirage area. We're going to go pass out flyers so you can sign up at the serve table before you leave to help on May 6th pass those flyers out. Also, you can help serve on May 9th. We need a lot of people to step up and serve, right? And, and so stop at the serve table and sign up. Also, give. You can resource the effort by continuing to give like you faithfully are. And also, on May 9th, you may have to give up your seat. There's 700 seats in there. We're expecting a lot of people. And I would ask you, if you see someone who doesn't go to this church come in there, I would ask you to stand up, get off your blessed assurance. <laughs> stand over here at the side and, and, and just worship over here, okay? Right? What do you say? Post up for Jesus. Post up. Oh, post up for Jesus. Oh, you're going basketball terminology. I, I like that. Post up for Jesus. Yeah, post up on the wall. And just say, you know what? This was never my seat. It belonged to him. You know what I'm saying? So that's how you can help. But here's what I want to do. To end this nudge series. And by the way, the nudges never end. The series ends, but the nudge, they never stop. But the way I want to wrap this whole thing up is I want to share a story of a nudge, a very powerful nudge that happened this week. God allowed us and you, by association, to be able to release a nudge into some special people. So, um, come on up. This, I want to introduce you to, um, so we got Bree. We got Bree. Uh, say hi, Bree, and this is Samantha. And they're three beautiful kids. And tell me the names again here. I know, I, I, I know uh, Octavia. And, and, and this is Elena. And this is Raina. And this is Raina. Okay. So I want to, I want to tell you a story. So let everyone see your pretty faces. Start right there. Look at them. It's kind of intimidating, isn't it? You feel my pain, huh? I do this every week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's what happened. It's how God works. So Tuesday, we have our, what we call our production meeting. We're meeting, kind of talk through the service and so forth with some of our, our team. And we don't have a building yet. And so we meet at a local restaurant. And Bree happens to be a server there. And uh, so not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before that, she was gone. And so this, this Tuesday, she was back. And I felt a nudge to ask her a question that you wouldn't normally ask. Um, you know, it's kind of maybe a bit invasive, but I said, Bree, uh, where were you last week? She took a deep breath, and then she began to explain that her mother-in-law, Heather, was driving to work from um, here in Surprise to Peoria, and when she got to work, she went to grab her purse, 
and attached to her purse that she didn't see was a pipe bomb. A individual had attached that pipe bomb to her purse using her purse as a triggering device. When she pulled that purse up, the pipe bomb exploded. She was rushed to the hospital. They had to amputate her right arm, broke her femur and had to have a skin graft on her right leg, uh, shrapnel everywhere and there's a whole lot more, but it was, it was bad. And to make things worse, Heather is going to get evicted, I understand, from the apartment in two weeks. And so Bree is telling us this in the restaurant. And you said something that, that struck me. You said, my, my mom or my mother-in-law was trying to be you know, positive and saying, it's going to get better. And you looked at me and you had tears streaming down your face and you said, it's not getting any better. Gathering family, here's where it gets better. Thanks to, to Jesus and thanks to you. So first of all, Michael asked, he said, can I, can I pray with you? And you said, sure. And so as Pastor Michael was praying over her, God nudged me. I got this nudge. I got three numbers in my mind. Two, two, two. I think, what, two, two, two? What, what are you talking about, God? What are you talking about? Two, two, two. And then it hit me. Do you remember, and you weren't here for this, but do you remember week one in our nudge series? I told of a server who was got a tip. Her name was Lizzie. And somebody, God interrupted someone that morning and said, you're going to meet a girl whose name begins with L, and you're to leave her, you're to bless her. And she blessed her with a $222 tip. And so gathering family, that day we did the same thing for Bree. We left her a $222 tip. Just to let her know that I know you don't go here and you don't have to come here for us to love you. We just want you to know that you're not alone and that people care about you. And, uh, and also we wanted to do something. Um, Samantha, I, I, I know you've been really busy and uh, you're a single mom. And uh, first of all, we just wanted to come on out here. We just wanted to get... Um, something for your kids. You're, you're trying to raise them alone and it's just nothing, nothing big. It's just a, a small gift just to let you know that um, you're not in this alone. And it's a little gift. Oh, look at that. You can sit down and play with them. You can sit down and play. What? And, and, and oh, see, now I was going to come hold her. Now she, now she won't. She came to me this morning and she, a lot of times people don't, kids don't leave their mom, but you know, she just, yeah, and you said something when you handed her to me and she clung to me. She said she knows who to hold on to. And that really hurts because you know what she's been through with being a single mom, but kids learn who to hold on to. And I thought that really struck me. But we, um, yeah, you don't hold on me now because you got a toy. I don't blame you. Here. So, what you don't know is Samantha, it, Samantha's the daughter of Heather. And so she's been caring for her mom, so much so that she actually lost her job because she's been at the hospital the whole time. And she's incurred costs related to storing. Oh, now, now you want to come back to me? You just want me to open it. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> We've officially, we're coming off the tracks now. So, oh, that's awesome. Don't worry, I'm not ADD. <laughs> they know me. But, so, she, so you related, so you had incurred all the costs of, of storage and she got kind of behind on her rent. And so listen, I want you to listen how God orchestrated something and how much God loves you, Samantha, because he did something. So we had, Michael and Aaron had a meeting with someone from our church on the, a couple hours after we had the meeting this past Tuesday. So a few hours afterward. Now this meeting had been planned for weeks, right? For weeks. And so uh, Michael and Aaron meet with this person and I'm just going to tell you who it is. Normally we don't tell, but it, it's Angela. Angela, raise your hand. So Angela, stand up. Stand up, Angela. Okay? Don't clap for her. You don't even know what she's done yet. She might have done something really mean. No. So they meet with her, and she's, she says, look, I've got this, this, this check that, <laughs> oh, you know I'm talking about money. That's good. Street smart. But she says, I have this check. I got overpaid. And I just feel like I want to give it to the, to the, maybe the building to do something special. So Aaron says, would, would you consider giving it to someone who is going through a rough time? You're a single mom. You can relate, right? And immediately she starts crying. Angela says, absolutely. I knew God had something special for this money. And so it's a check for $1,100 and some change. And we know that your rent is... is um, uh, $1,400 and 1440 And so we're making up the difference. And so here's a check uh, from Angela and from the gathering for $1,400 and $1,440. Just to know your love. That's awesome. And listen, you're welcome here to come back if you ever, if you want a church home. But there's no, you don't ever have to set foot in here again, okay? We, and if anyone says, well, bah, you're giving a lot of money away, you know, and we didn't have a building. Wrong. That is the building right there. Thank you guys, love you. God bless you. As they, uh, I, I hate to I hate to leave the stage because I hate to give this one up. Can I go? Man, that's, that is, that's this. You guys, you want to take that? That's so cute. Isn't that cute? Thank you so much. And, and we'll see you again on Tuesday. That's awesome, isn't it? Gathering, we were able to release a nudge and impact a family. Next week, we are going to release a nudge and affect a community. Amen? Let me leave you with this, this quote from Brian McLaren. It says, what if Christians could migrate from defining their faith as a system of beliefs to expressing it as a loving way of life? the world look like if we responded to all these nudges 
these life-changing nudges, and we really became the witnesses that God has destined us to be, what would this world look like? That wouldn't be an aberration. That would be the expectation. That would be the norm. And why not? Why shouldn't it be? That's the life that God has called us to. What if we were witnesses like that? Maybe now we can understand why Jesus would have asked the question, can I get a witness? Let's pray. If you don't know Jesus, that's the most important decision you could ever make. I just wanna, maybe there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus. The Bible is clear that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will live eternally forever with Jesus in heaven. If you're watching online, you, you can make that decision. If you're here, you can make that decision by simply praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. You defeated death, and so you can bring me life. Thank you for that life today as I make you, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. From this moment on, I exist for you. Thank you for helping me be a witness and using me to do something great in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we welcome those people in the family of God? Amen. Welcome to the family of God. It's a good place to be, y'all. And listen, if you made that decision, stop at the Connect table. We have a little free gift for you. And um, also, if you're watching online and you made that decision, man, just let us know, right? say in the chat, I made that decision. And you can reach out to us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. If you need prayer, we got a prayer team and our pastors, they're here. They would love to pray with you. If you're going through something, if you're in the middle of a Nazareth nudge, come get, receive prayer. We, we found out that we do life better when we do it together, amen? Amen, listen, before you go, quick reminder, National Day of Prayer, 7 a.m., wear your gathering shirt. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Dice Art next week, and sign up at the serve table before you leave. We need help. Release your nudge and do something meaningful. Amen? Amen. Have a great week, guys. God bless you. Let's be a witness this week.